Welcome to Oregon Rooted. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. You're listening to The Dirt Show. Where we bring you Oregon's cannabis culture. Welcome to The Dirt Show. Welcome to episode 10. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. And we are here and bringing you a good show. We've got a lot of things going on, so I'm going to jump right into it. We've got some Oregon County news that Lady Sativa got for us this week. A couple of good things, actually. And then we're going to talk about the NFTG line. That's an organ-based nutrient line. Nectar for the gods. Yep, that's uh, a, a lot of growers use it, and we've been interested. It's essentially organic. Uh, we'll call it natural, and we'll go into why. Um, but we'll talk about that more later. So the big deals, we had an interview with Hermetic Genetics, which is a breeder, uh, educated breeder that provides really solid strains for Oregon and we had a chance to listen to him drop some science on some really good things about breeding and how to handle seeds and all kinds of good things so again let's get right into it um, we're gonna talk real quick about our show uh, supporters of course Peacemaker everybody knows Peacemaker we've been talking about them for a while now and I love mine uh, again we've got people asking uh, about them asking for them um, and I'm I'm enjoying mine and the biggest part that I am enjoying is that darn cap it's really cool I like yeah, the cap. It's easy to easy to snuff out and easy for on the go very easy and uh... which I'm surprised that you don't make a bigger deal of here lady sativa because <laughs> you have complained for God knows how long about the dirty lighter. The dirty lighter. Yes. I don't hand me the dirty lighter. I don't like the quit using the lighter. Quit using the lighter. <laughs> and then we start getting one with a cap and, and the cap works and I use it to snuff it and But you still use the corner of the lighter to push it down. Oh, it's well. all good. It's all good. You're not supposed because to Because not as much. So we're fifty percent of the way there. We're fifty percent now we just need one of those lighter <laughs> covers that you could push it down with and then well, I'd be I'd be happy as Happy as pie. I mean, come on. I'm, you know, I'm working on it. Thanks to Peacemaker. We're I halfway got halfway there. Yeah. So. Yes. Thank you, Peacemaker. Peacemaker. You can saved you, my hand. Can you make an attachment that allows for a, a, a tamping of the bowl? Uh, and then, then we'll have it set. Yep. Yep. There we go. <laughs> anyway, so Peacemaker, uh, check them out. Peacemaker.com. We show them off on our media. We love them. Uh, we took them to the coast actually and we t we talked about that but man they just do so well everywhere we take them and with that cap every it stays clean and i only get complained at 50 percent of the time <laughs> <laughs> we'll be we'll be taking it on our next trip coming up here this next weekend 
Yep. And then, as you know, Applegate Soils and Hydro, I'm going to pick up, I have to pick up uh, the rest of the dirt that I need to get my plants done. Um, it is uh, been hot this week, and we are getting into the point of essentially blooming with our outside plants. Uh, you know, we got a couple more weeks where we're going to be veg, but, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're starting to be in that window of transition. So... I'm going to get uh, set and prepared for that with the rest of my dirt. And I'll talk to Roach and see. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure which dirt I'm going to run, but I'll let everybody know. It'll be some natural, organic something. But I've had mixed uh, people giving me mixed ideas. For Rogue? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and <clears throat> the reason I'm not running certain dirt is we'll get into uh, it at the end of the show after the interview. So let's get real quick into the news with Lady Sativa, and we'll get into the interview with her medic, which I know we're anxious for. So go ahead. All right. Um, I don't know how many of you are Harry Potter fans out there. but Well, uh, well here's the deal. Here's the deal. Uh, there's going to be some Harry Potter fans. Right. All right. Okay. And you can't tell me <laughs> that some of them don't like to smoke weeds yeah so exactly cannabis. if you aren't a harry potter fan you have heard of harry potter and probably know somebody who is a harry potter fan anyways and if you don't or haven't <laughs> ever watched harry potter on cannabis hi it's worth i it. think you missed part of the story actually i believe mushrooms is the best way to watch it it is psychedelic I, I, I think it freaked you out but i really enjoyed it wow it intense. was a great way to come down for me because I paid really close. I laughed. I was in the movie. I I enjoyed it. Which is funny because <laughs> because uh, it was a great way for me to get going again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, whoa. Okay. I couldn't I couldn't tell the difference in Harry Potter and, and what was going on, but whatever. All right. All right. Well, back to back to the news story, <laughs> not not the hallucinogenics. All right. <laughs> By James McClure uh, in Civilized, it says, Are J.K. Rowling's muggles really potheads? Any Harry Potter fan knows that muggles are people who don't have any magical ability. But in 1920s slang, muggles was slang for marijuana. What? In fact, muggles was the euphemism preferred by Bing Crosby and Louis Armstrong and others who performed at nightclubs during, jazz, during the Jazz Age. And the word made it into print as a synonym for marijuana in a 1931 Time article. In fact, here's the article. Marijuana is a variety of hemp, weed, cannabis sativa, long common in Mexico, lately become common in the U.S. It le its leaves can be dried, ground, and rolled into cigarettes, which are bootlegged under the name of muggles, reefers, or merry warners. <laughs> Time wrote. Mary Warners. Yes, I, I don't get it. Thinner, shorter than standard cigarettes, muggles are made from the small, delicate leaves of the female marijuana plant. So why did, so why did Potter? Uh, potent, right? <laughs> so why did Potter author J.K. Rowling, who turns fifty-one today, use muggles for non-wizards? Was she trying to say that some people are too burned out on marijuana to use magic? Rowling was actually commented on the crossover between cannabis culture and the Potterverse. And she says that the shared term muggle is pure coincidence. She used muggle as a pun on mug, which is British slang for gullible or 
foolish person, which still works as a description for some musicians who enjoyed muggles back in the 20s. You know, I call BS, all right? I'm sorry. <laughs> call it what you want. But I know writers, they they always have a reason behind every name, every If paragraph. she doesn't want to be known for that, though, because she writes... The style of books that she does, that's understandable. Is it? Yes. <laughs> I suppose. Maybe it's just because I'm a fan. And you know, I think she, I think. Support what you may. I, yeah, I think there's some cannabis use being done during the writing these books. She does not need to indulge that. She can just go ahead and smoke away and write my books. That's too bad. <laughs> she must live in a prohibition state. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, and obviously obviously some psychedelics i but i won't go there i'm not saying anything maybe that's what she supports more but she just didn't muggles it's a lot more illegal to admit that's that's a good story i like that yeah what's next uh so all you just so all you harry potter fans there you go so if if you like smoking weed or you take cannabis during these movies there you, you go see you know exactly you what a muggle is yes you can see it as a muggle as a non-magical folk <laughs> as she likes to call it or you can see it as a pot smoking folk that just uh, it's too oblivious to see the and magic that, around yeah is that too bad maybe she's being i don't know are we taking it the wrong way maybe no, she, uh... I'll take it how I want to take it. You can take it how you <laughs> yeah. want to take All it. All right, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All right, next one is Cannabis and Sex. Is it really better? By Ab Hanna. Is it better? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Says, by now you may have heard someone go on about how much better sex was for them. Well, hi. Cannabis and sex have been studied together for centuries in the U.S., Many users report enhanced sexual experiences when high, but in some studies, nearly half say it does little or nothing to improve their sex lives. This may be due to improper dosing. Marijuana has been found to make users more sensitive to touch, which may, which may make sex feel better than usual. Well, of course it does. Why wouldn't it? Exactly. It increases your, your sensitivity, your... It changes your perception of time. It gives you uh, more sensations. Uh, right. I mean, you know, not always, but it depends on what you're doing, probably what strain and the timing. And But if you haven't tried it, then it's obviously an enhancement and aid. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hold on. I lost, was my, that... I lost my article. Let I me... know. Let me get back to it. You no, got it's me okay. distracted. I know, I know that the times that I've enjoyed it have been good. And uh, I imagine people out there that haven't tried it are probably rec users that have, don't try it very often. But, right. you know, if you don't try it very often, what happens is you could take too much or be uh, too self-conscious. Right. But maybe that's make not... you paranoid, and that's not really a fun way to be having sex with somebody. Is being paranoid, like, oh, what was that? No, 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 no. So are the cops here? Yeah. So <laughs> if you're a rec user, then you know, I guess our advice is maybe you don't, maybe just a little bit, and then try it. But you know, if you're someone who does it quite a bit, or more so, then you know, 
Try it out. Shoot, right. Are you kidding me? Well, here's here's just I'm just going to read a couple little things, yeah. excerpts through it. It says, why is the proper dose important? It says if you get too high, you may not feel like doing anything, let, en- let alone engaging in physical activity with your partner. With lower doses of marijuana, there have been several studies that found marijuana to better sex for the majority of participants. They have a cannabis-infused lube company, Foria, that claims as a guy, I found that using cannabis during sex was dependent on the dose, but for my girlfriend, it's always a yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! See? Does weed enhance sexual desire satisfaction? It says women are apparently more likely than men to report increased sexual desire with marijuana use. Good to know. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> what do you think about, I mean. I, I, I. Can you add to it? No. I added what I had to say. Let's hear what you have to say, ladies Tiva. Well, it's, <laughs> I guess I'm a frequent smoker, so it's not really, yes, I, I don't know if I would change the way I use it before sex, but I, I think, yes, it does enhance it does enhance the proper need of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, so yeah, try it out. I, I guess if I was a, um, if I was a newbie smoker, I could tell you. But I will say that if I haven't smoked all day and I decide to smoke right before we have sex, then yes, it's definitely, it's definitely a downer sometimes because it can make you tired when you're not expecting it. Well, and then like I said, if it's that situation or if you're a newbie, what can happen is it's it can be that here here's the deal. I've had a <laughs> I had a friend that I always thought more was better. So, you know, if you need one Viagra, then four is better. Well, you know, yeah, a little bit of cannabis does help, <laughs> does help. But if, you know, you don't need a lot of cannabis because it might not help. No, <laughs> like one dab may do you, not like four dabs will do you. And then let's try and get this on. No, I, I see you being floored. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then the final part of this, it says the final hit, even though many users report enhanced sexual experiences on cannabis, this does not apply to all. Many people surveyed on marijuana's effect on their sex lives found that plant the plant to change nothing for them. For a significant portion of people, though, combining sex and cannabis can lead to more pleasure before and after sex. Sure. Well, cool. And I'm glad, you know, you brought that up because... It is a big deal, and it's something that uh, we should talk about because it's just one of many things. Now, this is even recreationally an aid. You want to call that a medical aid? Well, if it was Viagra, yeah, this would be medicine. Uh, if you're talking about lube, then no, it's not medicine. But either way, it's an aid. So, right, just another good example of you know used responsibly can enhance your experiences. And oh, by the way, that goes hand in hand with nature. Mm-hmm. So cannabis use, sex, and nature yes, can be fun. Having sex in nature with cannabis is, yeah. it can be great. Absolutely. <laughs> so there you go. Or hiking with cannabis. Or That's nature. Sex with That's nature. Cannab- all over How Oregon. How are we supposed to be all putting over this? Oregon? <laughs> <laughs> exactly in what order is this? I don't know. I think we're getting sidetracked. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, back to what we were talking about is news. Right? Yes, ma'am. The last one I got is, is secondhand marijuana smoke worse than secondhand tobacco smoke? Um, I'm just going to read a little bit and then we'll actually put the article up so you can read full detail. Sounds good. Um, It says the main idea. 
A study that that was just published in the American Heart Association Scientific Journal found that secondhand marijuana smoke could be more harmful than secondhand tobacco smoke. Researchers who worked on the projects project said there needs to be more public awareness about the dangers of secondhand marijuana smoke. Now I'm curious. Yeah, well, go ahead. I mean, okay. It says we got to de- hear about what they say. Yeah. The details for the study, researchers exposed lab rats to secondhand smoke from from both cannabis and tobacco for one minute each. They then ran a bunch of tests to see how the different kinds of smokes affected the rats' bodies. The rats' blood vessels took away longer took way longer to recover from secondhand cannabis smoke than they did from secondhand tobacco smoke. In fact, they took right around three times longer. After the rats breathed in secondhand marijuana smoke, their arteries carried blood vessel, blood less, okay, sorry, arteries carried blood less efficiently for at least 90 minutes. But when the rats breathed in secondhand tobacco smoke, the arteries slowed down for only 30 minutes before returning to normal. Impaired blood flow can lead to some health problems, including heart attacks and other heart-related issues. While the, while the effect is temporary for both cigarette and marijuana smoke, these temporary problems can turn into long-term problems if exposures occur often enough and may increase the chances of developing hardened and clogged arteries, says Dr. Matthew Springer, one of the lead researchers on the project. More, aware, more awareness is needed. Springer and his team of researchers said that there needs to be more public awareness about the dangers of secondhand cannabis smoke. And then you can read into that. Uh, you know, it says water pipes and bongs are the most classic methods for filtering out smoke. Um, but more and more pot smokers have also started vaping to av- avoid inhaling actual smoke. And of course, edibles make it possible to avoid inhaling anything at all. Well, and see, so here's here's where we need to have more awareness is, uh, and I don't think there's any, there's too much uh, disagreement in the fact that when you're uh, combusting cannabis, uh, there is plant material, there's uh, sticks, if you will, there could be, you know, a seed, God forbid, I hope oh, that doesn't happen. That is an awful taste. You know, anymore, yeah. Um, but there's plant material, and there's also any residues, anything like that in there. Uh, there's a lot of things that can be in there that you're combusting that are adding to the other profile of the cannabis that's healthy. So there's no argument there that there's probably things that are unhealthy in combustion of cannabis in certain ways, especially it's like, you know, rolling a blunt. Now I'm first, I'll be first to admit, I like, you know, smoking blunts. Chocolate fillies. I do. I'm old school like that. I do know it takes away from the flavor of the, the cannabis. I do taste the cannabis, but I do know it adds other flavors. So it takes away, blah, blah, blah. I understand that, but I still do. I enjoy those other flavors. I do. I do. That's why I do it. I do. But I do know that that's more unhealthy. It's got tobacco to it. I've also heard that tobacco and marijuana together is not great. So there's other factors. But I guess what I'm getting at is that obviously there's unhealthy parts of combusting cannabis. And if you can get down to it, vaping and edibles are the best because you're not combustion. You know. Also, to look at, think about concentrates. If we get these concentrates clean, we get them down to a concentrate form and you're ending up vaping those concentrates, that's nearly as clean as you're going to get because you don't have any plant material, assumably, if it's whatever, say, clear. You've only got the material you want, and then you're 
uh, vaping it. Right. So, right. you know, there's, there's way clean forms of doing this. And th this is just a good article saying that these people are making it aware that the, you know, obviously there's some effects of this. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there is. So, you know, just be aware of it. Uh, it is, you know, when you say I am healthy because I consume cannabis, just be aware you need to know how you're consuming that cannabis. Right. <laughs> and make sure you're clear about your statements. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So is that it? Did yeah, you have? Okay. that's all I had. Um, you said that you had had a couple. Things I do. I have an important one I want to get to. And uh, even though we didn't put it first, I want to talk about it because, uh, you know, shout out to uh, a few people this week um obviously one is spaz spaz shout out to you buddy um you've done so much for the crew brother you brought so much to the table you yeah, can you have you continue to do it uh lady and sativa and i were very impressed with the show or the event i should say that you put together um very thankful for the invite not only thankful for the invite, but just thankful for just the excitement, the passion that you have, you know, you share that with us. And so we love to know people that are like that. And, you know, through spaz, we've met a lot of other people that are important. And one of them is Nick, AKA, uh, Wes Kush, but Nick brother, we appreciate you too. Uh, Nick is going to start bringing more content to the show and we'll, you know, introduce him formally at another time. But, He's bringing more content to the show, and he's also possibly going to bring us, you know, an interview related to this article, which I think this article really affects growers, big or small. Uh, you know, this, we are in the midst of good times, but we're also in the midst of these large companies, real large, large, uh, gosh, just not monopolies, but these companies that own everything already. And mm -hmm. they're, now they're starting to dip into cannabis in ways that is kind of, I don't know, um, insidious in ways. Let me yeah. read this. It's Scott's miracle Grow spends 136 mil on Dutch hydroponics business. Hey, wait, stop. Did you say miracle Grow? Yeah, that's it. Scott's miracle Grow, And there's, you know, what Hawthorne, I think danger, is danger. Danger. Will Robinson included or, Right. Hawthorne's a part of that above them. Part of it. I'm not sure we'll read on, but the deal is this. I mean, we're talking, I don't know if, I don't know of any grower. I don't know of anybody even entry level at this point that uses miracle grow. I don't recommend it for, you know, your plants and, and for your cannabis. And I knew one person that used miracle grow and that was one sad little plant. Well, not only that, but it's just not a healthy way to go. I don't recommend it for stuff like that. And uh, what's happening is this is like a second level. If you look at Monsanto buying them out, this is like the second tier to that. Mm -hmm. Where Scott's dipping into uh, Gavita is what it is. Gavita Lighting. And Gavita is out of Holland. And they are uh, a very high-end lighting company that a lot of high-end growers use mm -hmm. and they've relied on and talk about highly of and it's almost in a sense like they're selling out to him so let me read it so we get a better understanding before i just talk and act like i know everything it says scott's miracle grow spent 136 million to buy a dutch maker of hydroponics guarding lights it's another big purchase in the industry with close ties to marijuana 
Hydroponics or growing without soil also is a method to grow plants and vegetables. The Marysville-based Lawn and Garden Company has targeted pot and grow your own plants and vegetables as a major growth opportunity. I mean, of course, here we see big companies dipping in, saying, uh-oh, here's where the money's going. Right. Uh, CEO Jim Hagedorn acknowledged the as a queasiness some in the hydroponics business might have about a large corporation become a market leader in the once fractured market. Says, well, since we're an outsider, I know a lot of people will be watching to see how we behave, he told analysts Wednesday. This is a core business for us. Scott's subsidiary, Hawthorne, there you go, Hawthorne Gardening, spent the money to acquire 75% stake in Gavita Holland. Here's what I'm talking about, the Gavita lighting from Holland, mm -hmm. which has $100 million in an annual sales. Gavita made the deal public in June, but Scott's disclosed the purchase price Wednesday. Gavita said its management will remain in place and remain 25% ownership. Now, I'm not sure that's very much. I mean, 75%? If Scott wants, if Scott, whoever that is, wants to say do this, it sounds like they could just say do this, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, the purchase comes a year after Scott spent $130 million on California-based uh, General Hydroponics, which was the company's biggest acquisitions since a European expansion push in the 1990s. Now, that's the other key part to this is General Hydroponics. Again, this is another line that is just, I think there's a lot better things you can use. Mm -hmm. So now you get miracle Grow, General Hydro, right, which are questionable products which and they're then, going to rate themselves with the Gavita lighting and then they and then and then Gavita which is on the opposite end of that spectrum right uh, I oh, anyway bed with them. I don't want to get too much into the opinions of it because we're gonna hopefully get Nick on this and that's uh, like high class and low class throwing it together yeah and hopefully be able to get um, you know someone on here a spokesperson or um, the people that be that can uh, give us more detail on that. But it says, uh, Hawthorne, a recently credited subsidiary based out of New York and run by Hagedorn's son, Chris, this week signed a definitive agreement to purchase Botanicare, an Arizona-based manufacturer of plant nutrients and growing systems for hydro gardening. The purchase price has not been disclosed. Now, this is just getting creepier and creepier and creepier. Hawthorne, which is a different part, is now buying Botanicare. So now you're talking Hawthorne, Botanicare, General Hydro, uh, Scott's, miracle Grow, right. and... Um, Gavita. Gavita, thank you. Now, all is that Monsanto, a version of it? I don't know. Right. This is it's so... And the, and the terrible part is they've got Gavita... But why would you want... As, as Gavita, why would you want that title... Surrounded with your name, all those people thrown in there. Sad. Yeah, but. well, and there's some video on that, and you know we're gonna post that possibly on Hopefully our social it media. Drag them down. They they don't think it will, and so. We uh, shall see. Yeah, 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 and so, with you know the, uh, Botanicare. Botanicare is a good uh, general line for. You know hydro growers for cannabis so uh, gavita and botanicare were two good lines that are getting involved with some 
some large conglomerate questionable you know versions there right so anyway i won't talk more about that we'll we'll bring more on that in the future shows uh especially as nick brings more content to us so shout out to you nick and um just real quick shout out to the nectar fam uh these are groups that we've been talking with these are closed groups but they're great guys and check them out if you want to get involved with some people that are professional and knowledgeable that's Nectar Fam on Facebook, SLF Soldiers on Facebook, and Oregon Recreational Marijuana Friends. All those we've talked about in our last episode, and they're all great people if you're a grower, even small or big, and you want to know about some good stuff. So, right. Right. All right. So we've talked plenty about this. We need to get going. Uh, we need to get into the real deal with hermetic genetics and uh, listen to what they have to say. Again, this is all good stuff about breeding, seeds. Uh, we've talked, we talked a couple of good questions for him. We tackled things like, you know, uh, uh, auto flowering, stuff like that. Right. There's, there's a lot of people that have issues with that. So, um, so we got Steven Duarte from Hermetic Genetics and here we go. All right. This is Higher Peaks and I'm doing a sit down today with Steven Duarte from Hermetic Genetics. He's the owner. Uh, welcome Steven. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, we appreciate uh, you sitting down with us. Um, now, we've met you through, uh, basically, Women Grow. Uh, we've been to a couple events. My wife saw you the first time, and then, you know, we came through together on the second time, and we had a chance to talk with you, and we've been really interested in sitting down with you. Wanted to find out kind of what you guys do and, and how you do it. And All So right. if you would, why don't you start from the beginning and, and tell us about yourself and, and your business. Yeah, okay. So uh, I've been in uh, Southern Oregon off and on for the last 20 years. Uh, I came up here in the mid-90s, uh, immediately got introduced to some of the grower culture that was going on here, and uh, more importantly, the, the genetic diversity in cannabis. And prior to that, I, my experience, I think most young people... You have to you have to excuse me. I get calls on this line, so we might get interrupted every once in a while. But That's okay. I'll just truck through. So <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Thank you. So um, yeah. So the genetic diversity in cannabis is really what attracted me to it in the first place. Uh, coming up to Oregon, you know, you see so much more than just your average commercial uh, cannabis that was available in the cities. You know, typically brick Mexican weed and stuff like that. But up here, there was a myriad amount of colors and and options and, and different views of the plant um, as flower, even in, as growing, that I've never experienced before. And that's really what attracted me to it. Uh, I collected my first seed in Eugene for horticultural science uh, in the late 90s and met some more growers there and more genetics. And, you know, Southern Oregon had some strange cultivars going around. The McCoy was famous out of Salma. Train wreck was coming out of Northern California, and uh, up in Eugene, we had some original Trinity, it was a clone that was going around there in Snowbud. And these are some really fascinating varieties that I got my hands on and got to play with. And I started making seed immediately and seeing what kind of hybrids would come from that. And um, this was around the time that Mark Murray was active with his seed bank up in British Columbia, so I was really attracted to that phenomenon. and. Uh, yeah, I really got my feet wet immediately. Started breeding and, and producing seed stock for about five years, up until about 2001, 2002. Then I moved to Central Oregon. 
and specifically kind of snowbum culture for a while, snowboarding and fleshing out some of those genetics that I had and really getting the opportunity to see what I created and um, spent the next 10 years working on a few select lines. Um, out of that came the precursor to Sherbert, which is used extensively these days, and um, some other really good G13 hybrids and some Hawaiian sativas that I got my hands on and was able to work with as well. Um, you know, I was doing this all on my own, kind of outside of the market and outside of the culture. Um, and I really wasn't paying attention to what was going on in the scene. You know, I, I supported medical marijuana. I, I helped get signatures when I was 18 and, nice. you know, voted it in, but just didn't really take advantage of it. I, I hadn't had a card or patient card until 2003. And so while I was growing from patients who were allowing me to do my breeding projects, you know, the value of cannabis as a, as a commodity was dropping uh, significantly. You know, I turned around, we were, you know, our patients were paying $5,000 a pound at one point when we took over for them. And by the time, you know, 2010 came around, you were lucky to get, you know, $1,000 for right. a pound of flour, high-quality flour. And so, you know, the resources um, for supporting breeding projects kind of fell out. And so I, I saw this coming, and in about 2008, around 2009 to 2011, I heavily pollinated everything I had, created what uh, seed readers call foundation stock, and then put it away and kind of locked everything away and uh, <clears throat> kind of left the culture in the uh, scene for a few years. I was a little disappointed that, um, you know, the dispensary model in Oregon hadn't really picked up yet. Um, the prices were dropping out, uh, people, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of support in the culture of the community. So I had this very like, you know, paranoid clandestine kind of vibe to it. And a lot of that was just weighing on me. <clears throat> so I decided to take an exit from it and went into other ventures, you know, and went back to school and got my master's degree and, uh, kind of just stepped back from, from the culture for a minute. And then uh, about 2013, I think it was, 2014, a friend of ours who had met in Egypt, a doctor who was not really associated with the culture at all, he called me up from Nevada, from Las Vegas, and they were having their medical marijuana coming up on the ballot, and they had this very intense uh, licensing process, you know, limited amount of licenses, uh, not lottery-based, but merit-based, and so they were, his team was looking for experts in the field to put together some kind of application so that you get uh, uh, kind of vertically integrated licensing there in uh, Vegas. So it piqued my interest. And I, I kind of wanted to see what was going on and if these guys, you know, were interested in it and, you know, there's millions of dollars on the table, you know, maybe something was happening. So I spent the next two years doing uh, licensing consulting. I worked with them. We ended up getting eight out of 52 licenses in the state, which was great. And it really showed me, you know, how ridiculous the regulation and licensing process can be. Uh, it's actually, you know, quite prohibitive for these states. As, as we're starting to learn, you know, if you don't have millions of dollars or you don't have checks, you can't really get in the game. And so I thought that was even worse than the way I had left the scene prior. So I thought, you know, I, I can either exit or I can help maybe fix this. Right. Oregon was just getting off the ground with their recreational, you know, they had their dispensary model was, was flourishing and, and rec one was about to come up. So I decided to come home and see if we couldn't affect the regulation process here. 
so that it didn't end up being like that. And I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, going over the PAC members and going to the OLCC meetings and the preliminary hearings and all that, you know, public input stuff that they had going on for a while, uh, especially after it passed. And, um, you know, decided that beyond helping regulation, which I think we did okay here. I mean, a lot of people are happy with the way it's happening, and, and we'll see. That remains to be seen, but sure. it could have been a lot worse. You know, it really could have been a lot worse. So um, I think we have a good chance, at least a good foot in the door, to get off the ground right. And so the the next part of that was, well, you shape, you help shape this industry by by bringing a label or bringing a brand to market to you know give give a good show. And that's what hermetic genetics is. Um, you know, I'm a seed breeder and a breed piece and a social genetics company. It's more about establishing something in Oregon that could show people, you know, what we're capable of, what the opportunity presents. And uh, seeds was a natural one for me because I had the stock. And I also saw that they were really giving seeds an opportunity and genetics in general to get a foothold so that we could have a real industry here based on that genetic diversity, the 90-day uh, windows for licensees to acquire genetics without reporting it's a fantastic way to spread genetic diversity. You know, um, the, the lack of packaging requirements and testing requirements on seeds is definitely a great way to, to bring the genetics out into the open. And so, um, yeah, we created genetics as a label to introduce the new home growers to some genetic diversity, show other companies how important branding and labeling is, you know, when you're getting started. And also just kind of get in and see who's doing what without having to have any direct competition. You know, I, I don't, I didn't want to have to be on the retail side and worry about my geography or be on the producer side and worry about what the next guy is producing. So with the seed company, you get to support everybody and you get to see a little bit of what everybody's doing. So that's where we ended up here. And I brought in a great graphic designer, Mulch Designs, from Portland. Um, the owner's been a family friend for a decade, and they do great work. So she helped me put together the logo and the packaging and, and the labeling and stuff. And then um, we had a lot of great help from uh, people that were established, Bloomwell and Ben, helped us get off the ground. It was great. Talent Health Club in Southern Oregon was really helpful. Um, and then, you know, highly distributed, uh, picked us up about three months into coming to market and really spread us all around Oregon really efficiently and thoroughly. So having that partnership right off the bat, um, working with Philos Bioscience up in Portland, they, they're doing fantastic future board stuff. We got to help them with the Cannabis Kino Project and with the health team that they have online. Um, their genetic success that they do basically just sprung our research forward five, ten years because we can identify males at the seedling stage instead of waiting to grow out and sex them traditionally. So the partnerships were key, uh, and that was like one of our goals, you know, see, see who's doing what and how we get a web network of uh, companies that produce a higher quality Oregon-based product. And uh, that's where we're at. That's, uh, you know, now we're just getting identified and getting out there. So, um, you know, we're really excited to see what's next that we're helping big companies and uh, and the small home growers at the same time. Sure. So now, so basically, all you're doing is growing cannabis to get to the seed stage, and then you are uh, getting these genetics out to. Now, are you just getting yeah. them to um, growers, or are you actually getting them to uh, like people can go buy your seeds? Correct. 
Yes, exactly. We don't. <clears throat> we're trying to support the Florida food sales system. So, so sell through the retail shops, uh, a dispensary. Yeah, and you know most of them are uh, directly. So, if, whether you're over 21 or you have a a, a medical marijuana card, you can go into a dispensary and purchase the seeds. Um, and yeah, yeah, they're packaged for the for the home grower. And they're all guaranteed, too. You know, everybody's been successful. Traditionally, seeds, you know, in the mail, if most of them are hundreds of dollars, and you only get a couple, and it's a real stressful situation whether or not you can trust the company. And here, you know, if there's not a sample, there's usually a sample of the flowers at the store, but if not, you know, you have a network, we have Instagram to see what the flowers look like. You can uh, grow them out, and they're, you know, priced somewhere between 30 and 50 bucks, so it's you know, easy to mess up. And I can't see them. You know, if they don't germinate or you put them on or get all nails for some reason, you, know, you get a free pack of seeds. So I want everybody to be successful in this. So definitely the home grower doesn't need to depend on clones that could, you know, be diseased or have genetic drift, but go back to how they know how to grow plants, you know, and put a seed in the ground or have a little plant with or something like that. But yeah, yeah. Everybody can get them. Sure, um, and you know what kind of uh, what kind of strains do you have? What kind? Of, I'm sure you got some that you're pretty proud of too. We'll talk about what you got sure, out there. Sure, sure. Right, like you know, as I said, we created the brand to test the waters. So you know, I didn't come. I, I decided not to make anything that I was too afraid to sell or to let go or to share. So we don't strain more, and we don't you know worry about who's going to have what. Um, I collected some names that people are used to. I have Gorilla Glue that I breed with. Um, you know, and some of these other people's hybrids, you know, that come down the train, of course. And we always give credit for credit to do what we can, you know, for the most part. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, as far as recognizable strains, we worked with Barney's LSD, uh, not the Lambs, our diesel, but his uh, Skunk Mazar from Amsterdam. It's in a few select stores around here, and people really like it. We got to handle the clone and bred it out a little bit. So people could grow that at home, and then uh, yeah, we added a purple indigo to the blue blue, so there's a little purple in that. And then um, some of my own varieties are a family variety. We have this Black Trinity, which was uh, originally the Sherbert uh, clone. It's known now as Sunset Sherbert, and a couple other things. But we bred that along lines for about 12 years, and so it was an effort to save original Trinity Valley. Talked to my about a decade ago, and was experiencing genetic drift. So we composited uh, it and it's been successively breeding it back towards its original roots. Um, but we have lots of stuff in the background. I haven't even brought the best stuff out yet. You know, the Hawaiian lines that we breed are fantastic. Um, we have original Durban poison that nice. we're breeding out with a bunch of different cultivars. Yeah, the old stuff that people recognize. Uh, Williams Wonder is making its way back. We're going to try to breed that back with some power. And, uh, yeah, but right now we have about five hybrids uh, that are available um, at the shops. And there's a Great Bay Chinty Star hybrid. It's really cost-effective. It's a hybrid. It's a time green. Um, we have that Purple Gorilla Glue. We do a hybrid called a Blotter, which involves Barney's LSD with a Black Trinity, and that's been a very, very popular hybrid. Uh, Root Beer Float is uh, one we're working on. It recently took sixth place at the cultivation classes up in Portland. So it was a uh, kind of no synthetic input cultivation uh, competition soil. It doesn't have to be soil only, but they wanted to use, you know, sustainable methods. And so we took sixth place in the indoor category. Rupier Float is a worked out hybrid of what some people call Jaeger. Um, 
Not, it, it, there's a couple of varieties of the Jaeger strain or JR that's known on Leafly. That it, the cultivar works its way around the valley as an outdoor variety. It's like cheap. And then there's an indoor slender variety that is kind of hard to work with, but beautiful, beautiful flowers. It comes from a purple Hindu kush originally. And so we've been breeding it out with a vanilla kush from DJ Short and uh, triple XOG hybrids. Try to get some of those really Jaeger qualities without some of the more you know, deliber- um, deliberating effects. The genetic drift has hit a lot of the varieties that we have. You know, either people sure. were breeding from feminized, you know, yeah, they originally they had a feminized column or something. So we try to take some of these varieties and beef them up and make them more uh, regionally adapted is what our goal is. So people can grow them in the backyard or inside and not have too much problem. You know, and it's great that you're doing this because you know, as, as you know, what we uh, promote is the home grower. So we're probably looking between four to six plants and we really want to keep, especially the Rogue Valley open to, um, people being able to do this. So right. yeah, this kind of stuff is appreciated, uh, especially when it's, you know, uh, bred to be grown in this area. We have a lot of pests in this area. Is that a concern for you guys right. when it comes to your breeding? Right. Like, oh, do you attack that? I mean, we have yeah, a- that's definitely an observational technique. If you see anything resist, any kind of pest or pathogen, you know, you want to breed that in. That's kind of the goal, too, of the Cannabis Genome Project, ultimately, um, with Phylos and their partners, is to identify, you know, what genes uh, work against, like, powdery mildew and MBT and stuff like that. And um, what about, you know, like, how uh, that affects the plant. Yeah, and in Oregon, we get a lot of russet mites. I mean... Right, right. And that's the clone issue. Um, Ultimately, you know, the clones are the ones that carry those. Um, I mean, as far as most growers, the bigger problem, and and this part is talking about really nothing you can do, is is the equipment, the gear, the the, the supplies. Yeah, they come out of these warehouses. They come from maybe two or three suppliers. They bottleneck to these warehouses where the the companies hire people that are mostly growers who work at these places for free gear or a discount or wholesale or whatever it is. And so they come from a myriad backgrounds of growing, which they probably are infested with bugs or whatever. Sure. And they come to the centralized uh, distribution center and they wipe themselves all over everything. And then they send all that stuff out. Yeah. And, um, it really, I've, I've noticed it before when the spider mites were a huge issue before sure. all this. You know, I, I buy something from Hydro Farm and then boom, I have a spider mite infestation breakout. And, and yeah. it's a totally isolated environment. And there's not so much you can do. You know, you can scheme a lot of stuff, but I mean, you, you keep autoclave around to put everything in. You know, it's almost impossible. So I definitely suggest bleach wiping or hot water washing, anything that you can help in the grocery store. Um, yeah. Fight that in the first place. It's a sound to prevent anything to but, um, yeah, no, going from seed is a great battle against that. I totally infested room. They've had a minimal amount of cleanup, maybe a month in between when they had an infestation and on fog bomb or something and, and just did a seed crop. And they'll finish before anything can come back. You know, they have a, a natural immunity because they're not generationally so old or weak. Um, and that's a big battle to, to help in the first place. And then you're always bringing the seed stock. You're not keeping that biological harbor around for the pest of the pathogen to keep moving along. And it's hard because people want uniformity and they want, you know, the same exact copy of that file that they smoked. But yeah. seed breeding can bring that around. You know, you can really get that out of seed. You know, you, most most hybrids are really just 
transferring two or three traits, you know, so you can breed that along the generations and, and people can still experience that. It's kind of one of the products that we did that is helping with that. It's a, a nitrogen sealed can that holds uh, an eighth of hand pollinated flowers. Okay. And you can find these in the dispensaries with our seeds. And it's really cool. We, we can get this uh, bacteria and into that. And um, we breed this way. And the third week of flowering, we put a little bit of pollen on a slot, like a paintbrush. And we just paint along the stem where the pre-flowers are. And then the flower continues to create symphonia clusters around it. And then when it's done and cured, you only have a few seeds along the stem that break right out when you crack the flowers open and the flowers themselves are still suitable and all the, you know, precious crystals. So we packaged up two varieties that way to let people see, you know, this is the flower, smoke the flower, put that seed in the ground and experience that, that same feeling. You know, you'll grow that plant and you'll get that flower. It'll be very similar. And so you can understand how that works, you know. So it's not necessarily clones that makes that happen. You know, the genetics can also make that happen. And we've got a really good response with that. Uh, we plan on expanding that to uh, some of the more heirloom strains. Now, now, do you guys um, get, let's get to the dirt on your, your seeds themselves. Sure. What, do you guys see or hear from customers about a lot of females? I mean, do you have a, an average ratio? You know, yeah, yeah. We definitely track seed tests just to figure out that as well. Um, we like, I like 80% female rate, personally. Sure. I, I try to breed that way. I notice it in my smaller batches, but as the numbers are increasing, we're fighting to stay at about 55%. So that's about what I can I mean, I'll guarantee that you're going to get, you know, your whatever seed out of good. But if you get a whole pack of males, then, yeah, you definitely get a three-pack of seeds. But I haven't come across that yet. Yeah. Um, but, no, I haven't heard any. Nobody's really been unhappy. Uh, you know, anybody that has any problems gets taken care of a little bit. So, you know, yeah, that's a big fear. People definitely, you have that whole loss with the male situation. We encourage people to use the sex test from Bioscience, my card, and all my seed packs, and now we even offer a 10% discount. Because, you know, if you can find out it's a male, right, when it's just a little pea pellet or whatever you're growing, you can just pluck it right out. And it doesn't really affect your bottom line or your overhead, so you don't have to fret that way. Uh, we get a lot of black, black feminine seeds, and you know, a lot of people worry about it their garden, but it's a controllable process. Uh, one that I think people should engage in uh, before they discount it, you know, wholesale, because uh, in the end, you know, it's just how we preserve genetic diversity. And if people can get into a nice routine of, of breeding in their own backyard, you know, still having a couple plants and keeping sure. that in but pollinating a couple branches, then, you know, we can really see some wonderful things inside the kingdom and some other great stuff. Yeah. Now, and that's, that's a good uh, lead into this, you know, as a breeder, that's, that's a tough job. I mean, you must have a passion for the work because you are uh, doing a lot of work just to get it down to a seed. And there's a lot of steps. A seed, right. Yeah. And so it's, well, you know, go ahead. No, I'm just, yeah, you go ahead. I was just saying it's, it's, it's a process (laughs) and it's, it's something that you can have, you know, potential errors and uh, pitfalls sure. and, you know, stuff that can sure. come up. Uh, you got to, you got to be kind of like a laboratory where you're keeping things separate and clean, sure. not cross contaminating. So, I mean, that's what I was getting at and talk about right. that. I mean, it must be, you must have a right. passion. It, yeah, definitely. And that's why, like in the beginning, I said, it's, it's the genetic diversity that drives me in this. It's cannabis with a monocrop, you know, like poppies or, 
I don't know anything else, tobacco at this point, you know, I definitely, we wouldn't have the culture that we have around it, you know, and that's one thing, if people are worried about corporate takeover in cannabis, cannabis is so diverse and so niche in the way that people use it, that it's always going to have a small craft artisanal vibe to it, regardless of what organic means or indoor, outdoor, you know, this or that. There's always going to be that, and that's where my passion lies at, is seeing that genetic diversity. It, I mean, even just between any and Tivas, do you want to stereotypes to them? I mean, even that is, is interesting in itself. So, uh, yeah, that drives me. I find myself handicapped by the fact that you're right. You know, I really do so many projects at one time because I don't want contamination. to grow a lot to select from. Uh, that's the biggest pitfall uh, is looking at numbers. I, you know, one of the most horrible things in this breeding is that the standard is what male, what female. You know, we definitely don't breed that way. We use multiple males, females, because it's the diversity in the cannabis that we're looking for. Uniformity can still be achieved for a smell, you know, um, height, you know, a certain kind of blood structure. You can create uniformity that way. But to have diversity in a leaf pattern and, you know, this or that, a branch style is not going to affect the end result. You know, when I grow a batch of seed, if you include enough females and we put them all down, trim them up, harvest them, put them together, the end cured product, it's hard to tell how many plants are in. And so um, that diversity drives me. I, I, I'm looking forward to how we can utilize that. The Great Big Cincy Star hybrid that we did was a perfect example. It's an F2, which means it's a second generation hybrid. The first generation we used four, four males and two mothers, uh, we were trying to save a really pink, we believe it was a great ape, uh, could have been a GDP, or hard to tell. it was mislabeled, but it was a beautiful plant, it had very small flowers, it was very potent, and very gorgeous, and so we, I took four of my males to it, and that was the F1, then we grew it out, we took all the pink pistol plants, male and female, I think it was seven males and seven females, and we open pollinated those, and that's the F2. And so there's just this extreme amount of genetic diversity. You grow 10 plants, you're going to get one tall, one short, one fat, one skinny. But the flowers, you know, they either have all pink pistols, all pink palaces, and all, or all green. And so that's the one fit we're reading for. And so I put them out super cheap, 25 35 bucks a pack retail. And I said, if you find one of these varieties, you know, take a picture of it on Instagram, contact me. And I'll buy it back from you for the price of a pack of seeds. Nice. And so this way, I put 10,000 seeds went out, you know, retail. And I got back, you know, maybe 100 hits from people that had these big plants. And so I was able to crowdsource the breeding project, which is, a, you know, a really great technique when you have communication channels like Instagram and stuff like that. And so I was able to view most of those plants. But I can't grow 10,000 plants here. I mean, not yet. Yeah. You know, we are licensing order. Yeah. But before that, you know, I was able to look through all these different um, phenotypes to select. And that's, we have a, a hybrid coming up called Violet Sam. You can look up on Instagram. It's a very beautiful pink plant with some great smoke. And so that was a, a byproduct of that. We got to collect about 100 cultivars and we're going to do an open pollination project. And so now we can increase the genetic diversity of Zero bottleneck to trait looking for. So we should have all pink plants in one more generation bred from multiple males and females. Yeah. So I, I, ha- I have to share the passion to get my results. Yeah, you can definitely drive this from that with this, you know, um, 
that you're trying to get results and you only have so much space. So being able to share that with other people, get them involved with it, and get the results back is a really uh, necessary process at this point. Um, but we're working with rec licensing licenses now. You know, we're definitely able to open it up. TJ's Organic uh, is a great label of out of Eugene. Um, their Washington arm has been growing out some of our varieties for us to you know hunt. And so that that kind of partnership is, is really integral to to casino hunting. But I'll say this in the end, and this is something that people won't naturally pick up on, and it really took an epiphany from me, is that seed is inherently so much more valuable than flower. And multi- we're used to picking them out and throwing them away because we have a different legacy um, and you know involvement with plant. But today, if you look around the world, the most successful lasting companies that are internationally recognized are seed companies. Yeah. Out of Amsterdam, out of, out of wherever, you know, there's that. And then if you look at the biomass production, a pound of seeds, you have a heavily pollinated flower, you can usually get somewhere between nine, fifteen thousand seeds in a, in a seeded pound. Now, wholesale, if you break that down, I mean, you look at the outrageous numbers people are getting today. There's a lot of value there. Sure. You know, even if we sell those seeds for a dollar a pop, which we do for most rec licensed seeds, then you're looking at $10,000 for a pound. Now, it's still, even my smartest partners, you know, they still refuse to pollinate a full room <laughs> of females. But if you look at that value, you know, I, I, like I said, I was, you know, when, when flowers went from $5,000 a pound to $1,000 a pound, you know, um, that made it unfeasible. But now, it's feasible. Yeah. You know, if I sell, if I produce high quality seed and I have a good method of extracting it and I have a good way of dis- distributing it, it's become now more valuable for, to me than, than Cincinnati. And so, you know, that's the secret of the trade. But you do, you have to have a passion for it. You have to have really clean genetics and a good background. And then you have to have a well curated label and distribution model to get that out. And so, yeah, I wouldn't tell every farmer to switch over to seeds, but there's a lot of people out there probably have some really great genetics that they've been breeding on their own in a scientific way that, you know, they should probably spread out. So I encourage every producer, every label out there to at least have some of their genetics available. You know, Green Source Gardens is a great example of that. They, uh, you know, produce flour, but they also sell some of their genetics, you know, and so I think these new producers that are coming out should do that. And I'm not worried about competition or anything, you know, I'm more than happy to help them sell it. But, you know, if everybody has that in mind, you know, flowers concentrate edibles, so then also, oh, here's a little bit of our genetics for you to try out at home, that will help uh, the overall gene pool as well. Yeah. Now, do you, do you um, have a lot of growers? I mean, I don't know what the ratio is of growers that like to do clones versus seeds. So do you, right, do you right, find yeah. that there are still a lot of growers out there that uh, wanna, yeah, uh, yeah, some swear by it. Some, yeah, sure. Yeah, some swear by it. And they definitely have their own stock uh, that they trust. Nice. You have to have a method. You definitely have to have a method for that. Uh, if that's your goal and that's how you do things. I mean, if you have a closed-loop system for real and that's your goal on your farm or whatever, then yeah, producing your own seed and growing from it is part, definitely part of that loop. Um, your average... You know, people are stuck in what they think they know. And I see a lot of this year, people are getting their licenses late. Everybody just wants to grab a bunch of clones and throw them in the ground. But, 
you know, clones traditionally, a, a seed female will grow twice as tall as a clone with half as much fertilizer. And that's yeah. definitely one of our selling points. But, well, sure, you know, that's vigor. how we push seed most of the way. Yeah, and I don't want to cut you yeah. off, but I just do want to make a point of this. No, no. Uh, yeah. You know, with seed, yeah. the, the vigor is there, and, and the health of the plant yeah. is, is noticeable, um, even if you don't right, have any problems right. with true, your clone. Yeah. Exactly. And true heterosis, that vigor, it comes from hybrid vigor. You know, it's always produced in the first generation. Generate clones of this happen immediately. And, you know, that's a sensitive topic for some people, it's not a real thing, but even at least in sugar, that's one thing that's been proven is that clones, you know, are taking their age with them. So they require more sugar, more, you know, uh, intake over time. So, yeah, you put a sex seedling next to a rooted clone um, in the same condition, and the sex seedling will, you know, outgrow it leaps and bounds with way less input. But uniformity, you know, there's a lot of things that people think they're looking for in the end. And we'll see, you know, I think with this batching system that OFPC has come up with and the way the distribution model has to work, it'll be interesting to see how seed lots fit into that, um, radio tags and batching and all that stuff. We'll see how that really plays out in the end. Um I know I've got a lot of people this year that are depending on clones for next year are, are starting a bunch of seed to go through it. But, uh, you know, there's definitely, we're going to leg up. You know, New Seed Seed was one of the first licensees out of the gate. Uh, first eight people who did a license here, and I thought that was really future forward. You know, they're owned by Territorial Seed, uh, which is a vegetable seed company. So I think in, introducing that model to the seed cannabis world is really important because the legacy seed model for cannabis is highly outdated. I mean, the international market is its own thing. It's very cutthroat and definitely has its own vibe that will never go away. But we don't need to copy that here. You know, I think a more natural approach, I, I always envision, you know, like Siskiyou Seeds, their local Southern Oregon seed, vegetable seed company, you have these fantastic handmade seed cabinets, you know, made from reclaimed wood and beautiful colors, pictures of all the varieties. It's just this really intense display. You go into a natural food store or something. And so I envision that for seed companies, you know, um, working with highly distributed, uh, putting together a project to bring in as much genetics as we can and have something similar to that. So we can present to the customer all of Oregon's genetics or all the Pacific Northwest's genetics right there in one shot. And um, I find that just to be complimentary to me, you know, so having options is really the best way to do it. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to veer yeah. off here to kind of get, you know, you obviously are an educated person. You know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You've been breeding for uh, several years, if what, a couple decades. Yeah, decades. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so so we, we value this opinion. Now there's these um, methods now. Advanced is like, say, CRISPR, but not that quite advanced. There's ways to reset your plant now in terms of genetics. Do you sure. have you done your research on that? And what do you think? Is that yeah, something you may yeah, employ tissue, in the future? Yeah, tissue culture is definitely the future of cannabis propagation. Um, there's a lot of companies that are moving forward on it. Uh, Trike Systems is a supplier out of Bend, Oregon that does really well. Uh, with a tissue culture medium that they produce in house, and uh, yeah, cloning is dead. Uh, it's old. It's it's just pest and pathogen infested. It's not good. And so tissue culture will be the replacement for that. And yeah, basically you're just um, renegotiating cells as a point of contact to do other things. And you can do that at a cellular level. You can scrape tissue cells and 
grow them in a petri dish until they produce, you know, root-based and plantlet and then separate them that way. Or you can take a traditional cutting and root it um, in the tissue medium that way as well. But it's all about the process. Uh, you use, you know, you autoclave everything, everything gets heat treated. You work under a laminar flow hood that, you know, creates reverse pressure so that there's an air vacuum there with HEPA filters. You actually wash the medium in 70% uh, alcohol and hot water and a bleach solution. And, you know, you get very scientific uh, handling the medium. And maybe if we were that way about our clones, it would be similar. But again, you know, it would just be a process. So that's where that starts. And then, yeah, you're able to create more plantlets, more more plantlets from less biomass, which is a good thing. And then, um, and then yes, that leads into the greater discussion of, of how you're using those genes. And I think uh, gene markup is definitely a, a breeder's technique that will be utilized at Phyllis Biosense. So he's working on, you know, like looking at the, the sex test. You know, you take a little bit of plant material the first seed leaf and you smear it on a card, you send it in. And basically that's what they do. They sequence the genes and, and we only have so many genes that we've identified in the cannabis genome. Yep. And one of those is the one that produces sex. You know, so we are able to see immediately what gene does this have? Is it going to produce a female or is it going to produce a male? Nice. So already we're using gene markup. Yeah, I get that data back and I'm allowed and I can make selections without observation. And that's what it really is is just a different kind of microscope. Um, and CRISPR is the same thing. As long as you're not taking genes from a different organism, <clears throat> and, and more specifically, you're really mostly just taking genes from the same plant, and you're just moving them around in their already possible combinations, again, it's selective breeding with a different tool. So where I would normally do that with 100,000 plants and let them all come to maturity and use a bunch of nodes to come back and do my selections, you know, then... That uses a lot of resources, a lot of land, a lot of fertilizer, uh, a lot of wasted biomass yeah. to come to a conclusion that this other tool can bring me to. So as long as you're utilizing the ethics and the morals in, in the using of the tools, then yeah, I think they're great. They're going to be necessary for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you could see purple in a plant, you know, that would help your breeding. If you could see heights, you know... Um, I know uh, some breeders like Humboldt Seed Organization, they're teamed up with universities that help them determine the CBD ratio in their crosses, you know, as whether or not the plant is going to produce more than 20% THC. You know, knowing that when the seed pops, that's that's super helpful for you. Sure, sure, sure. Man, that's... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> That's good information. Right. Yeah. Um, when I was young, you know, when I was in horticultural science classes and I was hearing about these things developing and thinking about them being applied to cannabis, it was like exciting and invigorating to me. And it was one of the things that kept me moving forward as a breeder. And to now see them come to market and be available is you know, really something I never thought would happen. You know, working with people like Phyllis Bioscience and getting that data back that only can come from laboratory conditions and tools and, and, and things that are not available to the clandestine cannabis breeder is really a dream come true. So, um, yeah, I see some really fantastic things coming in the next five to ten years. Okay, now let me ask you this. Again, we just want to get to the dirt on mm -hmm. this. So what do you think, yeah. and, and I don't want you to, um, you know, step on toes or anything, but what do you think about some of the other genetics seed-wise that are out there and available can a consumer right, trust right. a lot of these breeders, a lot of these seeds, or what do you think about the current state of I that think, seed? I think if you're a novice or an amateur or even just, you know, an intermediate, 
Yeah, trusting your average website slash internet seed catalog is not going to yield fruit. You know, um, you could do a lot of, I, you know, if you talk to people, I, I was, I'm surprised. I'll say this. First and foremost, most of these companies will actually send you seed. I'll say that, you know, and I'm just going to take your money and rip you off. Like that would probably be the first year. Um, no, they actually do. Yeah. Whether whether or not they send you what's right or what you want or any of yeah. that, that's a whole other question. I've avoided the seed uh, bank thing for a while just because the, the whole deal sounds sketchy to me. But I have partnered here locally with a Humboldt organization who's internationally recognized and has offices in London and Barcelona. And I've heard some horror stories from that started, you know, counterfeiters and, and people who mess up the supply chain one way or another. So, yeah, you're talking about a little tiny bean. You know, I always say these things are like like Bitcoins, really. You, yeah. know, you can generate them in your house, and, and they have a determinate value. So, um, yeah, people are always going to try to take advantage of that. Um, I had a couple of my seed testers, but, you know, the, the marketing is so slick. and so People get drawn in, and there are seed testers that are super experienced and, and know better, and they still pay hundreds of dollars for handfuls of seed and right. some of it's feminized. And, have I, I've seen some good results. I've been pleasantly surprised by some of the stuff that they sprouted. But, uh, no, the majority of it is built on marketing. I mean, even immediately, you know, I knew if you don't have a label and you don't have a brand and you're not going to sell shit, I'm still amazed at people putting seeds in little tiny baggies with a slip of paper and wanting $250, you know? But if you're there and people have seen it and it is what it is, you know, then, you know, I they command that for sure. So... I would say first and foremost, go with one that's been around for a long time. You know, if they've been in the game for a long time, they're trusted. Yeah. And then just make sure that you're going through one of their verified suppliers. Um, you know, just so they don't use But if you're in Oregon, go to your local shop. You know, if you want something that's from Amsterdam or that you on Instagram, chances are that it's at the local shop. And if you can't find it, hit me up because I, I source genetics all over the place. I'd be more than happy to bring business to other, you know, legitimate companies. Hey, that's awesome. So let me, and that's here you go with the segue. What, how do you source your genetics and know that you're right. getting good genetics? I mean, if you know, how, right. how do you do that? What's your process? How do you, is it the networking? Right. Or? Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, it's networking, knowing that the growers have trusted genetics and things, uh, knowing your plants really well. I mean, there's definitely sometimes where the name and the flag planting will outdo what the truth is. Uh, I think Blue Dream is a great example of that. You know, I, uh, as I said, about getting out of the game before, I, I, I knew geneticists that have some of these hybrids of it. And I'm checking them out and looking at them. There's some great phenotypes, but you take that stuff to LA and they're like, oh, this isn't Blue Dream. <laughs> because they're getting hustled from Central California with some blueberry train wreck hybrid. It's just a pass off. And uh, now that pass off has gotten so much acclaim that the true one is recognized as Zealand. And Philo deals with that with their galaxy. You know, the name game is, is horrendous. And so having a baseline of what the truth is to compare mm-hmm. everything else to, or just being another great example of that, absolutely, is almost impossible. Yeah, so I stay away from that. If there's some kind of regional question or health <laughs> problem, you know, I'm not interested in getting involved with that. But, you know, yeah, the staples that I work with were, were sourced, you know, decades ago. So I know that they're real. Yeah. Um, as my breeder stock, parent stock. Anything new that comes in, yeah, I just trust the channels. Um, I think there's a lot of great channels for um, good genetics that comes from outside the state. You know, uh, West Coast Chronic sells clones that essentially that are, have great reputable um, back 
of you know typed clones that are worked in house that are trustworthy. Um, so yeah, you know, and then Phylos is working on a strain identification system that hopefully most growers and producers get involved with, where you'll have your gen- genetics verified, gen- you know, uh, by the DNA. You know, so you it's on the map, you bring a sample in. Okay, yeah, this is Durban, this is like whatever, this is whatever. They are a crowdsource database. So they're still saying, well, how do you know what's real? That's 100 samples. The, the numbers will start to cluster, you know? And then when they cluster, you can see that there's some truth in that. Um, it just takes a mass uh, input of data to, to get that truth out of there. So I think in the next two years, strain identification will be possible and name game will out a little bit and people can trust that more. But, you know, yeah, if you're looking for some crazy hybrid, like, uh, you know, you're probably not going to get exactly what you're looking for. I think it's more about looking for profiles. I mean, you're looking for a certain smell. You're looking for a certain yeah. taste. People, people are reminiscent about their cannabis. You know, I find things like Jack Hare still win competitions consistently because people recognize that. It, it grew up, you know, like back in the day when it was just shit weed, good weed. You know, well, people you know. know what... <laughs> Yeah, and I think this whole so, um, land race strain thing where people are really bringing that back, mm-hmm. I think that stems from that, where people are saying, hey, you know, there's some nostalgia, there's some, you know, people like the smell, yeah. the taste, the the, the memories yeah. that are attached to it, and those are just going to be there, you know, <laughs> so. Right, and that's, yeah, and that's why I'm kind of interested in, like, the newbie, you know, the new user or the new person that's enjoying cannabis, whether it's, well, I mean, medically, it's easy because it alleviates their conditions so they know what to use. But recreationally, it's great. It's like they have no frame of reference and nothing to compare it to. They hear some people you know, that experience, but uh, some of the stuff that I hear coming out of these shops is just hilarious. You know, just uh, <laughs> I think that it's still about set and setting. And if you're a new user in Oregon, if you're thinking about trying cannabis for the first time, you know, find a friend that uses it a lot and there you go. go go with them. Yeah. 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 And, and I agree with that. Because, That's yeah. especially when it comes to uh, concentrates and, and medibles and, right. and all that, that stuff. Yeah. You really yeah. want to, um, cause there's so much options, so much it's variety so and <laughs> you don't yeah. want your experience yeah. the first time to be bad. <laughs> exactly. Or intense. Yeah. Or intense, yeah. I always, people come out, yeah, they come here from other places, and I think, oh, I'll, I'll get, I'll get what I, I'll get something really special to share with them, something that's hard to get, or something that's really good, and then I share it with them, and they're just blown out. You know, I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness, that course, we got to do this like a pre-roll or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's so, go. Yeah, a little bit of. Go ahead. Setting. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. Um, so let's <laughs> let me ask you this. I, I didn't want to. Um, I wanted to get to this, mm-hmm. and I, I should have earlier. But do you do? Yeah one autoflower and before you answer that what do you feel about autoflower right right um you know i think there's a lot of strides that's been made in uh the breeding you know this is these are the efforts of the international course and it, there's something to be said about that i mean they're dealing with a, a demand that's been around now for decades you know they've been dealing with since babies so if feminized seeds and autoflower seeds are these super selling, you know, super crazy things. And there's something behind that in the demand. And I don't know, Europe's a different market for sure. So we'll see how that plays out in America. But um, it, it's about ethics and breeding. You know, I've talked to some of the bigger companies now about it. It's not as easy as just taking some ruderalis and read it and bring it into your, you know, award-winning strains. There's a lot more delicacy and 
a lot more science has been done on that. The Swiss have been breeding uh, CBD-rich and autoflowering strains in their own method for decades. So there is some genetic stock that goes into these new autoflowers that has, you know, decent, you know, done to it. But the um, problem being with all of this is the inexperience letting all this crossbreed into the, the bigger gene pool. And that's the only real problem I have. I've actually been really surprised at the quality in autoflowers. Uh, they've come up to be quite resinous now and produce some pretty high-quality flower. Some of my seed testers uh, swear by them. So, yeah. Well, isn't that the question, thing. too, is how, I mean, the final product seems sometimes to be, used to be questionable? Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think if you, if you think about the past, yeah, hermaphrodites were rampant and the quality was low. And I think that was a lot of using that ruderalis. Uh, even here locally, I've come across some vegetable farmers that are trying to breed their own autoflowers with ruderalis varieties. And, you know, they're approaching it from a very wide berth of, of open pollination. So I, I don't know how successful they're going to be. But I've also worked with companies like HSO who have autoflower breeds that are, you know, they look fantastic. You know, they put the effort in. And, uh, yeah, I think that there's a commercial viability in autoflower uh, to gap seasonal growth and for cover crop. And I think there's a lot of useful methods for it. I mean, oil production is going to be so necessary. And I think things like that could really help in between the major growth seasons if you wanted to produce oil. You know, I think that's great. Sure. Uh, again, locally, I, I just I could never produce the quality and the genetic stability I would want out of that. Uh, given the restrictions we have here in the States. So that's why I stay away from it. And I also think that, um, you know, it's, we should start at the beginning here. We shouldn't influx what has been working so well for the rest of the world. We should try to build, you know, um, a, a standard for growing cannabis here, even if it is a small little backyard or your closet or whatever. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I don't suggest people start with that for sure, but I think that there's a commercial viability in it. Now, sorry, Seminite, though, I think that that's obsolete. With the sex test from Phylos Bioscience, you can you can do the same thing. So, you know, take five Seminite seeds and take 10 of my regular seeds, sprout them at the same time, apply the sex test three days after they pop to mine, and in 10 days, you're going to end up with five female seedlings that are traditionally bred and five female feminizes and the other one thing is going to grow better, faster, stronger, and be, you know, genetically stable. So I see in the past why that was important, because you couldn't set them until they were big and it's taken up a bunch of resources, but not necessary anymore. The price people complain sometimes about the price sex testing and is it about twelve dollars a plant. But those feminine seeds, I mean I've recently done a contract to distribute some and they go for like twenty five dollars a seed. Yeah. So, you know, you're gonna pay. You're gonna pay the same price in the end, and I think that if you just involve the science a little bit better, then you can know, come up with the same result. So I'm leery of them here, but uh, I definitely source them for people that want them. Just reputable companies that science to do it. Nice. So now, do you? What, what's the future of hermetics for hermetic genetic genetics? You know, really, it's about uh, getting helping the genetics industry here in general. Um, I'd like to see people get research licenses. I'm really interested to see what the university's needs are. Um, you know, at first, they're probably just going to want to buy flour from producers, but they're going to need strains, and they're going to actually want to breed. So I want to help those interested parts first the genetics from the proper places. Um, and then tissue culture is huge. Uh, we want to work on being able to do strain banking for people, putting genetic 
um, you know, into a petri dish and putting it on ice for a little while and then putting them into a tissue culture production later so that they can switch out cycle, um, you know, not have to depend so much on their own vegetative production. That would be nice. Uh, see what happens with life in general. You know, we just want to be here and be a solid voice for the progression of cannabis genetics as it develops, especially against regulation, um, because, you know, this is, it's really where it all begins is the diversity in cannabis genetics. So we want to make sure that we have a say in that and represent all the breeders across the board. Yeah. Well, and we appreciate you keeping that movement going. Um, I want to end with this. I've kept you on quite a while, but you've been sharing so much science with this, man. It's, it's great. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'd love to talk about it. Absolutely, and, and we appreciate it. So let me, let me ask you this. Last two things. One is uh, since you deal with seeds like all the time, and these are your seeds, what do you recommend to the people that have your seeds and they're going to pop them? I know it's a simple question, but how do you recommend germinating right. your seeds? And then also to let us know where we can find your seeds and then. We'll, Excellent. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So yeah, if you're going to sprout your own seeds at home, yeah, especially if you've got an old collection of seeds and you've been kicking around starting them. I mean, if you are open to it and can afford it, what I say is sprout all your seeds and let them open pollinate in your backyard. You know, make sure your neighbor's not growing sometimes high classes and get it. As long as you don't have no neighbors down something, you know, pollinate your backyard and collect all that seed. Rejuvenate your seed. Start it over again, especially for five, ten years old. Start what you can. Let it pollinate. Collect that for next year, next time. And now you've got new stock. I don't care what it is, just get some new stock. All methods work. We put a propagation card in our seed uh, um, packs that basically just say keep it at a certain moisture level, a certain temperature for a certain amount of days. You know, keep 75 to 85 percent moisture uh, at 75 to 80 degrees temperature for, you know, anywhere from 12 hours to 72 hours, you will get them to sprout. Some people do that in a jar of water. Some people do that in good old-fashioned wet paper towels in between two plates. Some people direct sow in the medium. Uh, you might have some wet moxie pellets or your little dirt cups. Just maintain those standards, you know, moisture, heat, and uh, consistency for a couple of days. They should pop on you. But if they're old, I've had 15-year-old seeds take two weeks to sprout. So don't give up on them. You know, keep it in space, keep it moving, and gotcha. they might still sprout on you. As far as finding my genetics, uh, you should be able to get them in any different You know, whatever system you have, Weed Map, Leafly, or local publications. Um, but find your local dispensary, retail shop, and go in there and ask for hermetic genetics. If they don't have them, they probably will within 72 hours. Because they'll call me, and I'll come drop them off. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's all right, uh, all right, Stephen. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Yeah. yeah. Hey, oh, everybody. Also, I wanted to the sure. Learn and Grow event. We've got uh, for, you know first Thursday of every month. That's where we got we met. I, I suggest more people come out. It's how we network, how we meet each other, it's how we yeah. advance the movement. So the first Thursday of every month, Learn and Grow event. This August fourth, this next Thursday, we're doing a wellness event at Lithia Springs Resort. Uh, you can find tickets on universe.com. Just search for Women Grow Southern Oregon. And I'll be there. I'll be more than happy. We're going to have a table. So you guys come out, ask questions, and uh, yeah, we'll be around. Yeah, and we recommend that. We attend all of them. Um, yeah, and we will promote yeah. that too as well. Uh, we really enjoy the Great. events. We enjoy the people. The culture is there. And you learn a ton of stuff. This last one that we had was just great. It just really set us up for oh, yeah. Yeah, for good information. And The speakers and are awesome. They are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So, all right, all right. Steve. Well, hey, we, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate it. And, you know, we appreciate your 
20 years plus of education. We appreciate your 20 years plus of, you know, giving back to the cannabis community and, and putting in your passion and your, basically your life, brother. I mean, we appreciate it. It is. It is. And it is. It is. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. And it's people like you that have pioneered this whole culture to begin with. I really want to enforce that. I mean, it's not like you just started breeding uh, July, you know, first of 2015. Um, right, right. Yeah. No, this is yeah, this has been did. a lifelong thing that yep. you know, I'm trying to share now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, you keep it up too. We got to disseminate the information. You guys do a good thing. So yeah, let's keep it moving. And uh, yeah, we'll all have a great thing here in Oregon. And having a new industry and bringing money to the table is something that you can't do every day. So it should yeah. be well appreciated. Absolutely. And hopefully in the future, maybe we can have you back on and you can kind of share what you're doing at that point and kind of. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, thanks, uh, Stephen. And right. yeah. we will um, talk to you soon, buddy. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, so that was Hermetic Genetics. That was Stephen. Uh, you know, it was such a great interview with him. Uh, I'm really glad that he sat down with me and really dropped some of that science. You know, it's takes, you know, he's educated and it took a long time for him to kind of get where he is. He had to not only go to school, but he also had to spend a couple decades, you know, crafting you know, working with cannabis and crossing it and all the steps mm -hmm. in between. So he doesn't look like he's that old. Is no, he, how old is he? No, but he's, if, if you know, yeah, he's been working at it since seems like a pretty cool early, guy. Early, 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 early twenties. Yeah. And so put, putting a lot of work. And so, uh, you know, this is the kind of knowledge we appreciate and we're glad that people are sharing. We certainly hope that he comes back on the show later on and drops some knowledge. We did, like we said, meet them at Women Grow. They are having a uh, uh, event tomorrow, yeah, uh, networking a, event and seminar. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's an all day long seminar. Uh, well, event, you know, networking and stuff, and and a learning event. Yeah, there's massages. So and, there's uh, yeah there's there's some wellness things going on there, and yes. we'll 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 put out the details on our Facebook uh, tomorrow. Yes, yeah. I haven't got. I didn't get a chance to go this time because there's way too much going on this week. Yeah, well, and that leads me to this. We have the Indo Expo coming up. That's big for us. You know, that kind of leads us on to what's going on in our grow, which is what we're going to wrap up. But the Indo Expo is going on in Portland, PDX. Shout out. Woo -woo. Anybody up there in PDX? We know we've got a ton of <laughs> listeners up there, so holler at you. And uh, you guys, August 6th and 7th, at the Portland Expo Center, have the Indo Expo going on. This is going to be huge. I mean, huge. Yeah. That's what we've had to gear up for. Uh, we're going to go out there and network. We're going to get some recording done with some people. Absolutely. Yep. We got Nick, uh, Wes Kush coming with us. We got Spaz, Sean. We got uh, all, all these people uh, going up with us as a crew, working together. We're going to get a lot of stuff done. Shout out to actually Spaz and actually here we go. I don't want to forget this Newton Hayes buddy. Newton Hayes is who hooked us up for our our tickets for this. Right. And we wouldn't even be going if if Newton Hayes and Spaz and these guys both didn't hook us up with this excellent opportunity. So again, a shout out to you guys. We love you. Newton Hayes is a great guy. He does SLF SLF one hundred. It is a, I guess we'll call it an additive. I mm -hmm. hope that's a safe term. 
It's not a nutrient. It's not any of that. It's just something that you add to your regimen and it does wonders. It's uh, kind of an enzymatic process and we'll talk more about it. That is something we are going to start using, but you guys are awesome and thank you for the hookup. Uh, we're going to be up there though networking and hopefully we'll see any of you listeners out there and hopefully we can, we can talk to you guys. But right. uh, yeah, right. so... Uh, and that leads us right into kind of what's going on in our grow. Uh, I talked, we we're going to add that SLF 100. That's something we're going to add in. It's something that's, um, you know, it's an organ product, but it goes out there nationwide. And this, this stuff is awesome. Uh, you know, we'll get more into the details about it, but mm -hmm. again, we are going to incorporate it for the last half of the season on the four that we're going with. Uh, and you know, I was, I'm really been unsure about beneficials. I've switched over to the Orca, the, uh, great white, um, using both. Uh, it's, uh, so far actually has worked well. I've, um, liked how it's working. I've noticed, um, a difference cause I haven't tried anything else yet. And I've actually yeah. noticed a difference in the plants. Um, and those are just beneficials. And I like that the orca has the trichoderma. That's what I've been looking for. Yeah. Uh, some, a lot of things have beneficials in the fungi, but no trichoderma. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just adding that in. And then microbe life is another thing. You know, we kind of s found this out or got more info when uh, we were at the Bully Garden event a couple of weeks ago. This is the Photo Plus. This is another good product that we'll talk more about, but we're going to add that in. And again, these are beneficials that add to the process of photosynthesis. And, uh, these guys have talked a lot of good stuff about it. So we're going to add it in, uh, to what we're doing now, aside from that, uh, we are also, I talked about NFTG nectar for the gods. They yep. were kind enough at the bully gardens event to, when we sat down with Scott, uh, a.k.a. The Beard, we talked about the podcast. He said he was willing to come on if we would review his product and such. And we're going to. We've been wanting to anyway. But he was kind enough to hook us up with some product. Side by side. Here we yeah, go. Yeah. And so here, yeah, here's the news is we're going to do a side by side, a legit side by side. We're actually going to do more side by sides than just one. We're going to do uh, two or three. One, we're going to start out with some fairly... Um, older clones, uh, two older clones, uh, exact same uh, strain, uh, cut from the same mother, uh, essentially, you know, all same time, uh, essentially the same height, literally. Mm -hmm. And we'll document all this for everybody, for also for organs only. For, Take uh, plenty of pictures. And video, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to run... Uh, one of those, in, well, they're going to do outside. I know it's late outside, but that's why we're getting older clones. And I, again, we're not. Let me we're just. We're not going for the amount on these. We're going yeah, for the look. We're, mostly well, seen. we're not going for size in terms of volume, and we're not going. Oh, they this this nutrient line gave us a plant that's twice as big. No, we understand that. We uh, and we've already talked to Scott about this. We're not. Going for that, we are going for quality product at the end. You mm -hmm. know, the, the final look, the taste, the profile, right? Uh, all that 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 final um, presentation, and and we will get more than one opinion on that with that product. Uh, so this is product that's not going to be just consumed by us, but this is going to be a given to a, a lot of other people to be able to 
uh, tell us what they think. Mm -hmm. uh, and what we'll do is in one of them, we'll run what we do. Again, we haven't decided that quite yet. I'm going to probably pick something organic. Heck, maybe I'll go crazy and do a synthetic just to be, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, a hard ass, I guess. I think there's some good synthetics out there. Not that that's what I normally use, but maybe I'll do that. And then on the flip side, we will use all NFTG. Now we're going to use essentially, they've got, the one thing that a lot of people when they get in the line realize that they have a lot of options. And so you have to be an involved grower with this stuff. Um, just their simple line has four things you run with. Their advanced line has like eight. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, this is a science and this is what they break it down to. Mm -hmm. uh, they use natural, natural products slash organic products and uh, if you go up to their pro level, you're talking a whole slew of things. I mean, I don't even know one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, th approximately fourteen things, plus the pH adjusters. So you can take this however deep you want to go. Right. We're only <laughs> we're we're doing all the simple, the four simple, with a couple of the advanced and one of the pro level. Okay, and uh -huh. so kind of a little bit of all of them, but. This is the deal. You don't have to do everything to make it work. And this is what we don't want to do is get anybody confused. As Oregon Rooted, we're trying to find a line that we can use and support and back that uh, home growers, as you know, growing four to six plants can grow. Yeah, you know, something a, that's friendly for everybody. Yeah, I don't want people going, oh my gosh, I got 12 bottles and all I'm trying to do is grow four plants. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you don't have to do that. You can use four bottles with this line and you're fine. Okay. Right. Um, once you start growing weed, I guarantee you'll get into it enough to maybe take it stuff further. Anyway, so when you want to go from there, you can. Uh, you can go up from there when you decide you want to take it a step further. But right. you can grow very healthy, very good, very tasty. Uh, um cannabis with this stuff apparently and so, no matter what your plant is only going to be as good as the love that you put into it you the, the number one thing is showing your shadow in the garden you yes. gotta show your shadow talk to them smoke with them sit there and listen to some music with your plants i know it sounds cheesy but uh clip the dead leaves clip keep the them dead clean. leaves talk to them while you're doing it it just simple play stuff. some harry potter yes play some <laughs> play some sort of music something <laughs> Doesn't matter. Play some dudes grow show as you do. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so yeah, um, I guess that's really it. Uh, that's what we're kind of working with in the grow and look for big things coming up. We got um, real soon coming up. We got uh, one thing to look for is right to grow, mm -hmm. which is an Oregon based organization that is fighting for a lot of rights for cannabis growers and patients and we're going to talk with them and that would be nice yeah and we've got a lot of other good things coming up so sure they got a lot of information for us oh it's we got a lot of people a lot of things nice. so so look for us www.organrooted.com or email us organrooted at gmail.com or <laughs> lady sativa at uh -huh. organrooted.com uh-huh or higher peaks at organrooted.com. Now, uh, also to remember that you can find us on Facebook, 
Twitter, and Instagram. And we do a lot of updates there. Yep. yep. So if you need to know what's going on, we're find us. Active. Oh, yeah. All, as much as we can be. And we're, you know, we get back to you right away. So, and also email us. Let us give us some feedback. I wanted to let everybody know before we go uh, that we've picked up now a total of 18 states. I think the last time we updated was only 11. Nice. And so we picked up like, what, seven more states? And it was states like Missouri and New York, uh, Illinois. I think we already said Michigan. Um, gosh, there was, uh, I mean, I could, I got to tell you, let me, I got to look them up. You know, it's crazy. We had all kinds of uh, states come on. Um, it was, geez, here we go. See the full list. We had uh, Missouri, New York, Florida, Ohio, Hawaii, Mississippi, Texas, Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, uh, Canon, and Nevada, Colorado, Utah, and everybody else that we had been listening to originally. So tons of people. So shout out to you all. Nice. If you Welcome get to, aboard. If you get to this far into the show, shout out to you guys too. We appreciate it. Uh, you guys are what keep us going. Yep. Thanks so, for listening. And if there's anything else we're not talking about, let us know so we can make you Questions, more happy. please. Yeah. Ask us on any one of our forums. Yep. And that's it, Lady Sativa. That's a wrap. Is there anything else you got? No, not from here. Okay. I think that's it. Organ love. Oh,